0: Hello and good day, Fantastic Podcast family. What a privilege and honor to be with you again, as always. We've got a phenomenal episode of this show for you today. We have David Richman on, and we are talking about his book, Cycle of Lives, A Journey of Obstacles, Chaos, and Inspiration. This is a fantastic episode. We talk about um, David's shift and taking responsibility for his life, using endurance training as his start, Uh, his story of the 130-mile rollerblade, chasing happiness, Uh, what David learned from talking to many End of life people, so people are ready to transition to the other side. Uh, the ability to listen to someone with all of your might, all of your might, all of your power. The value of story. How to heal from tragedy. Why it's important to help. Uh, ask for help. Uh, why greatness requires a team. Why trauma is self-isolating and so much more. Uh, the power of presence. I'm just going through the show notes here. This is a phenomenal episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. And if you do, please share it far and wide. Uh, help us get the word out there. Consider going to mattbelair.com becoming a member by donation where you can get uh, exclusive content from past guests and uh, some other goodies in the membership area. And that's it. Just letting you guys know that I am transitioning my entire home. So that's why the podcasts haven't been as frequent, but there's going to be lots coming out when I can resettle big, big changes over in uh, my life and what I'm trying to do with my family here. So uh, hopefully you can resettle and refocus and start crushing uh, tons of awesome podcasts for you. So thank you to everyone who listens, who shares, um, I just appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, the best way to show, uh, support the show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world. And uh, let's just come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, courage, faith, power, connection, hope. Love and get ready to enjoy this incredible episode with David Richmond. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are currently overcoming extreme censorship, so if you'd like to support this show, share episodes far and wide, consider becoming a member at MattBelair.com, where you can access exclusive content. Um, You can do so for free or by donation, but the best way to support this show is to consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is an entrepreneur, author, public speaker, athlete, and philanthropist. As a former sedentary overweight smoker, he knew that he needed to focus not on what others wanted out of him, but what he wanted out of life. With his first book, Winning in the Middle of the Pack, he discusses how to get more out of ourselves than ever imagined. Now he shares the interconnected stories of others overcoming obstacles, specifically cancer, in his second book, Cycle of Lives. Welcome to the show, David Richmond.
1: Thanks, Matt. Very excited to talk to you.
0: Yeah, man, I'm excited. Well, I, too bad we didn't get you on with your fir- first book. And we have a lot to discuss because that one sounds amazing. And you've been doing a lot of really great work. We had an awesome discussion before we, you know, a few weeks before uh, airing this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've been doing a lot of interesting things. And I'd just love for you to share just a little bit about your background, how you got to, you know, changing what you were doing to writing the fo- uh, first book and then where you are now.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, you know, uh I- everybody has their own path. Mine is certainly different than most of the people that you know and work with because you're dealing with people that are peak performers, you know, super high level athletes and really top of their field. I, I was this guy that um, that didn't do anything athletic, really my whole life uh, until I got to my late thirties. And I found myself at this like super low point in life where I was completely stressed out. I was in a, you know, physically and emotionally abusive relationship. Um, I had uh, just, uh, I was overweight, I was a smoker, I, you know, I just, I, I was, I was not living my best life to say, to say it uh, in the nicest way. And um, at that same time period when I was just like reaching rock bottom, um, I got, I get a call from my sister that she's been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And I just, ha- and at the same time, I kind of have this wake up call that a friend, you know, kind of took a sledgehammer and, and smacked me over the head with it. When he, he just confronted me when I was complaining about all my problems. And he was like, dude, you're the problem. Like they're not the problem. you're the problem, like deal with your own crap. And I was like, Hmm wait a second. You mean my, I might be the one that's at fault here. I might be the one that has issues. Um, I might be the one that needs to fix myself and not other things. Um, and so I just, all that happened at once. And I just said, screw it. I, I, I looked in the mirror and I said, who the heck are you? And I didn't like it. And I said, who do you want to be? And I was just like, wow, everything you give me is far away from where you're at. So you better just start taking a step forward. So with athletics, I did that. I I did a little 2 minute run. I barely could could make it 2 minutes. And then uh a couple of weeks later, I muscled up a mile and a 5K and then a 10K and a couple of months later a half ironman, a couple of months later did a full ironman and kind of have never stopped since on the athletic front. Um I still just a couple of weeks ago did a 24 hour bike ride in Texas. I've done 5000 mile bike rides and you know, 25 hour runs and you name it, I've done it. And a long cry from not being able to to run two minutes.
0: And did you find when you when you went with the athletics that that was helping you solve a lot of that, uh, like the emotional problems, the mental blocks or whatever you were struggling with mentally? Did you find like just having yourself and taking care of uh, like the physical aspect, even though you're a terrible to start with, just that kind of aim help filter out some of the other aspects of your life?
1: Yeah, that was the draw of doing what would become for me extreme athletics, right? Extreme endurance athletics. That was the draw because I was always so busy and active and so crazy at um um trying to live in the chaos that I was creating, Matt, that I never did take time to contemplate to inner reflect, to you know, have any sense of zen or peace or you know, oneness with the world or anything. I was just just moving too fast. And when you're on a bike for 10 hours, or you're running in the desert for, for, you know, 50 miles, you got nothing to do but contemplate. And it's a really wonderful thing. And uh, it was a big draw for me, because I could not only uh, solve problems uh, out there, but I I could start to learn to ask myself better questions and and really uh, uh, come to things with a different mindset. And I don't think we often take the time or make the time to really go deep with, with this, these inner dialogues we need to have with ourselves to change our narratives. It's just, it's always just like, Hey, I'm moving and I'll deal with that when I can. And you just never take time to self-reflect. You know, I, I know you do, you know, you can't, can't go in the forest for a couple of weeks and, and, and not talk to people and, and not come out enlightened. I mean, you you, you, you do because you have different conversations with yourself, and endurance athletics gave me the gave me the vehicle to to learn that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I've said about meditation, like a lot of people uh, say, they struggle with meditation. You know, just sitting down and and you know practicing watching the mind. Uh, but an easier way often is go for long walks. You know what I mean? Like endurance athletics is a great idea. So go for a 10 kilometer walk or a five kilometer walk through a forest, right? Just, and just walk, do nothing else. And you don't have to try to stay focused, although you can just do that thing. And so, especially when you're long bike rides, long running, long swimming, you're in your own world. You know what I mean? And you get into these meditative states and it's also a reflective process because what we're really doing, uh, many of us anyway, is we're waking up and we're going with the tasks of the day. And then when we're not doing a task, sitting down and then we're receiving information from, you know, our screens, right, whether it's TikTok or Facebook or Instagram, whatever the case is, there's no just silence, right? We used to eat at our dinner table. Uh, You know, I'm just in that generation, barely, where you'd eat at the dinner table, there'd be no screens and no distractions. And so, you know, this is a very important way to begin self-reflection. So if you don't um, want to Uh, do meditation per se, you can do sports or athletics that call to you, whatever those are, which I think is really important. And then you can also consider doing things like art, uh, painting, whatever that is, anything that's going to engage you in the moment. So I think that's uh, really, really interesting. And so for you, like, I want to touch on this, how quick did you do it? uh, Do you say an Ironman? Because those are incredibly hard. It sounds like you did it from nothing and then completed one within a year, which I'm in shape now. And I don't think I could do that.
1: Right. Well, you, you, you could, if, if you were drawn to figure it out, right? Like, like, I'm sure you could do it. Anybody could do it if they wanted to, it's just a matter of how badly do you want to do it. Um. So yeah, it was tough. I mean, there's no question that I, I kind of pushed myself. Um. But what I, what I came to learn is you know, like, I had been pretty successful in business at this point in my life at that low point, And I had accomplished qu- quite a number of positive things. And what I realized is is that I had no problem digging myself a really really deep hole and learning how to get out of it. Right, like I, that was a that was a that was a challenge for me. That was a really good thing for me. But oftentimes I would dig my hole myself a hole, not in a positive way, right? So taking on a challenge such as saying, "Oh, I'm going to go do an Ironman," even though I've never even you know run, biked, or sw- swam before, that was a kind of hole I wanted to dig to figure out how to get out of it and. Um, it's shocking how you could set your goals way higher than you ever imagined, and they're still not high enough. And so um, to to do an Ironman, it's really just wanting to do it um, and making the time to train for it if you if you can, or you got to, you know, obviously make choices and, and make some sacrifices. But it always it did that when it came to an Ironman or a 50 mile run. And then I did a hundred K run. And then I did a hundred mile run. And then, you know, like, I just, you, 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 you can do it if you want to do it. I'm not saying you should want to do it, but if you did want to do it. And, and for me, Matt, that came with um, one of the very first uh, uh, events that I did was a super long rollerblade race. It was like 140 K on (laughs) rollerblades. Stupid, right? Just, Sounds stay. like a Canadian and, and, thing to do. <laughs> I know, right? Um, well, it was kind of it was in Georgia, Georgia, Canada, same thing. So um, so I, uh, I I did this this event and I had no business doing it. Right? I was completely not athletic, not coordinated, not prepared <laughs> for what would be 140k on rollerblades over hills and up, up and down hills. It was ridiculous. And about 30 miles in, so about a third of the way through, I had hit the wall. I was done. Depleted you know, completely dehydrated. At the end of my rope, I had no business going any further. And that's, that's when it hit me. I'm like, dude, you got, you got two choices. You either can back it up and go home, go back to your lifestyle or take your new lifestyle or whatever. You found your limit. Like, that's it. That's the farthest you can go. You're done. I was on the side of the road, puking my guts out, sweating like a pig done. And I'm like, just go home. Like you figured it all out, dude. You figure out your limits or you could just go one more step like figure out how to get one more foot down the road right and eventually 6 hours or so later i made it to the finish line and it wasn't about like accomplishing the goal it was about le- learning what could i learn about myself what 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 could i overcome what could i deal with what what could i what could i handle more of and that became not a drug really but um a quest for knowledge like like who am i what am i made of and what am i willing to do to accomplish you know something that i'm trying to set out to accomplish and so I, I, endurance athletics i found early on is a is a great teacher as well
0: that's an amazing story. Well, it reminds me of, you know, David Goggins where I think in the books somewhere they say where, I don't know where this comes from exactly, but when you think you're done, you're only 40% done. And this is something that I learned training with the Shell and monks because uh, they basically just were the most ruthless personal trainers that you could ever imagine. You know, and that was the whole point of the training is just putting you, you know, light years beyond what you think you're capable of doing. Right. And then that, makes you realize, wow, I'm capable of so much more than when I shut Mm -hmm. down. And so, you know, with your journey of athletics and also being successful in business, what advice do you have for people who are, let's just say, uh, everyday people who want to live a meaningful life? Um, they want to, you know, provide for their family, but they also want to do meaningful work. Like what have you learned for applying that, you know, change? Because sometimes people have the wealth, but then they don't have the physical side where they maybe they're out of shape because they're sacrificing things too much, or they just don't, they don't love their work. And so they want to figure out something more meaningful because whatever it is, it's kind of like that next step, you know what I mean? Or pushing yourself a little bit further. So you take responsibility for being a parent and all the things that you do, but you also want to move towards meaningful work and be successful in business. And what I found is that you can be successful, successful in business, doing what you love. um, But you might be making sacrifices in different spots. And so right, and it might be as much as you think, but if you're if you're going into it solely for the money, um, then you shouldn't even start, you know what I mean, because there's always ways that you can piece it together. But you know, there's definitely opportunity for success. And I feel like it's that fear. You know what I mean? How we construct our lives. We have a lot of this downtime and a lot of observing the screens. And uh, well, I think in stoicism, they call it dead time, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're just, you know, you're ingesting the play and you're ingesting the TV and you're ingesting, you know, the sports rather than, you know, what am I creating and what's what's important for me to create. Then I'll just kind of go back to that uh, first thing that you mentioned where your friend called you out and you realize you're the source of all your problems. And I, I think of this meme that goes around where it's just like somebody's riding the bike and they've put this, stick Between their own uh, their own wheel and they fall <laughs> off the bike. It's just you know it's so funny. Or they do uh, the Scooby Doo and it's just like who's the source of all my problems? And they lift mm-hmm. it as like ah, it's me. <laughs> right. so I just love that initial thing. We have to take responsibility for mm-hmm. everything in our life. You know what I mean? And then from there, we can then find the solutions.
1: Yeah. Well, happiness is a very interesting thing, right? Because if you're chasing success and happiness is money. I guarantee you, unless you're Elon Musk, there's somebody in the room that's richer. Okay, there is. And if it's and if it's athleticism that you're looking at, unless you're Michael Jordan, uh, unless you're, you know, uh, uh, Rafael Nadal. Unless you're Wayne Gretzky, there's somebody better in the room. There's somebody more athletic. There's somebody better looking. There's somebody healthier. There's somebody that's smarter. There's somebody that's a better writer. There's somebody that's better a coach. You name it. I don't care right? So the goal should not be to accomplish um, uh, more accumulation or more accolades. I think the goal is once you kind of have the basics covered, uh, shelter, safety, comfort, um, that anything above that kind of doesn't lead to happiness. For me, uh, happiness and contentment is found in relationships and in the connection connectivity and the authenticity of those relationships, the the depth of the relationships that you have. And I only um, feel that way, Matt, because when I when I dealt with talking to hundreds and hundreds of people about trauma, end of life issues, uh, cancer, survivorship, those type of things, when it comes to them contemplating their death or watching somebody that they love at the end of their life, really boils down to two things. The person has a sense of pride and accomplishment and um, a sense of peace over the relationships that they formed that are deep. And they have a sense of regret uh, over the relationships that they didn't pursue that or, or that weren't as deep as they could have been. People don't cry about, I should have worked more. I should have had more money. I should have done. No, it's all about relationships. And I think that the effect that you can have on others and the way you let others have an effect on you is real. Once you get. Once you get like to where you can sustain your the basics of of human life, which not everybody can, but once you get to that level, I think contentment, happiness, um, uh peace comes from relationships and the depth of those relationships. And so that's been the focus of my life for many, many years now.
0: That's really beautiful and, and a very powerful insight. I remember an an interview. I did a long time ago with a man named Frank Ostaseski and he is the creator of Zen Hospice and he works with a lot of people in hospice care and, you know, shared the five invitations from his book, which I actually can't even remember right now, but um, people, I, I I suggest you check it out. And it's all these things that are, you know, what is what is most important? Like, are we taking stock in our life? Are we, are we, you know, the 80-20 rule also comes to mind is just like, you know, are we spending 80 or 90% of our time spinning our wheels and then leaving all this most important stuff to the side for later. Like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta really work hard today to sacrifice my relationship with my son or my daughter or, or whatever the case is. Right. It's like finding these balances, but really putting on the board, right. What is most important to you and making sure that as you go about your day and your week and your month, that you're really, um, Um, making sure that you're taking care of these things rather than sacrificing them. And if you have to sacrifice them for a bit to get to another goal, that's okay, right? But you're just cognizant of what you're doing. Otherwise, we seem to be in this like accomplish and acquire mindset where, where it will never be full and so many people have come on this podcast and we've heard them in many talks say, you know, I got, I had everything. I had, I had all the money, I had all the fame, I had all the success, but you know, there was this big gaping hole and I feel like relationships are another big key. And when you, um, well, I guess let's get into like why you wrote the book and and Mm -hmm. some of the other things you learned from speaking to all these people who, you know, maybe were were contemplating contemplating the end of their life, which was coming or even just losing, you know, a loved one and how the family would grieve that because I've always told my friends and family, like if i die don't worry don't cry like i'm fine i'm fine with the other side however you can't die <laughs> i am not emotionally capable of losing you you need to stay here be awesome. i need to hug you you know what right. i mean so um, i'm just curious what you learned in in those kind of fields
1: yeah so that that's, that's that's a that's a fantastic insight because you know we, we we really can't contemplate our own death but but we really uh can't contemplate that anybody's death, really. I mean, we can understand it. We can make an intellectual sense of it, but from an emotional level, it's not something that we can wrap our brains around very easily. So oftentimes we don't talk about it. We don't talk about bad things. We we tend to say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, when you hear somebody's going through something difficult and then you extricate yourself so that you don't have to have that hard conversation of how do you feel about it? And that, that was for me, uh, the drop. So when, when my sister was diagnosed with, with terminal cancer, I, it, it forced me, it gave me the opportunity to really observe what was going on with people and uh, doctors, patients, loved ones, caregivers didn't matter, Matt. Um, when it came to like the tasks, the triage around the trauma, like how do I eat better, sleep better, find the right doctor, navigate the healthcare system? How do I, how do I, you know, reduce stress? Those kind of things people talk about all day long. But when it came to how do you feel about it? How do you feel about talking to your friends? Um, uh, did, did somebody abandon you because they don't know how to deal with you? How does that make you feel? I mean, when, when it comes to these type of things, silence. And so I said, boy, how can we how can we find out why? Why is that? Why? Why is it so hard for us to have these kind of emotional conversations? And so I found a bunch of doctors and patients and loved ones and survivors and caregivers and you name it young old one and done with cancer was an oncologist their whole life with can you know you name it all different perspectives and then what i said matt was i said l- l- talk to me about your childhood and your young adulthood the traumas that you incurred whether it was the suicide of a parent or abandonment um, drug addiction uh, losing your way in my case it was not finding my way until later in life whatever the traumas were that put you in the place where you are today how did those affect you and your ability or inability to navigate the emotional side of, of of cancer, no matter what the perspective? And so, if I could relate to that, if I could understand who Matt is as a person and the things that he's gone through and the things that he's dealing with, then maybe when I know that you're going through something difficult, it might give me an insight on how to connect with you on a deeper, more meaningful level. And so that's that's what that's what I wrote out the book, not to give answers. But just to give people a really deep inside in the darkest, most private areas of your life, what what made you the way you are and on the emotional level, so I could understand how to better relate to you. So that's that's what the goal of the book was.
0: That's beautiful. And in my own research of just dealing with people and coaching, what I found it like a great gift for people is, is really quality listening. I like to share the story of my friend, Clifford Mahoudi, who's unfortunately passed. He's a Zuni elder, and uh, we were in a circle, and, and uh, he was, his eyes were closed. Everybody would go around and speak, right? And, and so I'm like, Clifford wouldn't close his eyes. Like, he's not rude. So what's he doing? And then it gets around to him, and he, he, he was, had his eyes closed because he was listening to everybody with all of his might. And I always just found that so funny. He's like listening as hard as he could. And very often we talk to people, but we don't listen. And the gift of listening to to feel understood, right? And one one exercise I give a lot of my uh, coaching clients when within their own relationships, or if they become coaches themselves is listen to people, then repeat back what you heard, and then ask if there's anything else. It's so simple. But then it's not like, oh, okay, I'm assuming that I know all this or feel that way. But when you get that clarity, now they really feel understood. And then that makes them feel appreciated and that makes them feel valued and that makes them feel special and it makes them feel enough. And that comes from another human being. Right. And we can give that to other people. So to, you know, to see that that you did that in your circumstances with these people is phenomenal. And hopefully we can take that to all the relationships in our life, because this is something you can give to everybody on a daily basis. Right. When you talked about learning about the quality of relationship to actively listen, to care, right, to not need to have your mind distracted with a thousand different things, but that one person you're focusing on. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll know, you'll, you'll, I've seen it, you know, in my own life and other people's life when they're that person. And I teach them that often they'll get the reflection from people they randomly meet just appreciation. You know, I really like that person because they, they listened to me, you know what I mean? And I felt understood and I felt cared for, and I felt appreciated. So it's it's an incredibly simple and very powerful thing. And in your book, you, you share 15 stories and I'm curious uh, if any one that you want to talk about or comes to mind, that's just either the most powerful or uplifting. And you know, what's kind of the nature of the different 15, are they different? Uh, Like a, some of them uplifting and some of them are depressing
1: right (laughs) well i'm dealing with heavy topics right we're dealing with heavy topics we're dealing with suicide and abuse and abandonment and drug addiction and death and uh, you know all but every story is inspiring Er everyone is uplifting some of them are a little bit tragic but in that tragedy um either they or or the reader can learn something meaningful and valuable so uh, I would say that all this although the stories are evocative and they're 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 quite moving, um, I think they're very uplifting. I've done a bad job in marketing that, oh, it's a book about cancer, and so therefore it's got to be depressing, but it's really not. and And honestly, not every story has a happy ending, but there's very few stories that you get in depth and you know the characters, you learn the characters and you identify with them and you empathize with them, and you feel them even when bad things happen, you still can learn and take away positives. And it's that way in life. And so these are real stories, they're real people. Um, names were not changed to protect the innocent. Uh, circumstances are all real because I wanted to give people a raw, authentic, heart-to-heart, as deep as you could connection with people that were going through things that we might be going through or people we know are going through. and. So in answer to your question, which story, I mean, God dang, they're all, they're, they're all moving. I mean, there's stories of somebody who lost someone to cancer um, that was like somebody who taught him how to see the world with a whole new pair of glasses, right? Taught him how to love and be loved. And, and um, and then he loses her right away, but he was able to take from that um, the idea that he could be his best self and learn to allow people to love him, even after losing the love of his life and find love again. That's, that's an amazing story. Um, there's a story of a woman who uh, used um, her strength that she gained through uh, surviving a brutal four-year abusive relationship. And how she learned um, again, uh, somebody else who learned how to love and be loved out of that. And it was the strength of that love that got her through five different cancers in her adult life over a 40 year period. Um, there's um, a wonderful story about uh, a guy. Who's, you kind of remind me of him, you know, like macho, like take life by the balls. Like I'm 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 the guy, you know, I'm there to teach and I'm tough and, you know, all of this stuff. and you know, he, uh, he went through an absolutely brutal cancer that he was not supposed to survive at, at any level. And he survived by not accepting help from anyone uh, because he couldn't show weakness. He was too macho. He was too, I got this. I don't, I don't want to let anybody in, but we found out through talking for a couple of years that why he didn't want to let anybody in was because he had been abandoned so many times in his life at most critical times, uh, probably uh, the most. Uh, moving was when he was six he walked in and, and happened to witness his mom uh, taking her own life and the ultimate abandonment that you could imagine and and beyond that some other times that he was abandoned that no way he was gonna let anybody in and to understand that kind of loneliness and self-isolation and just uh just just the darkness that he went through life but then he learned That that strength comes in letting people help you, and strength comes in believing that you're not going to be abandoned every time you let somebody close. And now he's like the most caring, loving, outgoing, "I'll help you, you help me" kind of guy you could ever imagine. And so, you know, story wrapped around tragedy, but very inspirational. So every one of the stories I could tell you is my favorite because the lessons that I learned, or the lessons that these people, you know, learned, or 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 you know, came to. Came to terms with 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 very difficult things. For me, it was very positive, uplifting, moving experience.
0: They all sound like really uh, powerful and and transformational stories, and it's it's so helpful to hear what people have gone through to know that we're able to do it it's kind of like the four minute mile right everybody thought the four minute mile was impossible then one person does it then it kind of opens up this realm of consciousness if you know that uh or possibility rather is is a better way to put it so if you know somebody's gone through it and has successfully gotten to the other side you know that there's a pathway for you and when it's very very dark it can be very challenging and i'm curious what did you learn did you did you feel find any themes or insights around how do we accept or heal from tragedy you know like the suicide of someone you love or uh you know trauma for you know the abandonment of of the you know the mother that's that's awful like these are these are just awful scenarios and so how did those individuals or family members get over that trauma or or heal and be able to kind of see the light after after something so horrible
1: yeah, well, you said it just a minute ago when you said you never know what people are going through, right, or what they have gone through. And and you think, you know, that, oh, my gosh, how could I ever handle that, right? How could I ever in a million years handle that? And then you talk about the things that you've been through and people, if they knew, they'd be like, how in the world could you ever handle that? Like, I could never do that. And so we just don't know because we're just living our lives, right? Every single person I spoke to, Matt goes, eh, my story's not that interesting, Meanwhile, I'm hearing their stories and I'm like, oh, wait, uh, you got a uh, came out of chemo and got addicted to drugs, uh, uh, painkillers. And then you were so addicted to painkillers that you turned to a life of crime and then you were incarcerated and then you had cancer again. And this time it came to take you, but you survived it and, 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 and raised a special needs kid and all this stuff. And this guy's telling me his life's not that interesting. And I'm like, what? right. So I think what, what what is there to learn is that uh, we never really know what's behind the idea of what people have gone through or what they're going through. And we can also say that about the person in the mirror. And I think once we accept the fact that, that it's okay to show some vulnerability, it's okay to allow people to connect with us. They might not always say the right thing or do the right thing, but uh, most people that we would want to do that with would have good intention, even if they don't know how to do it or we don't know how to allow them to do it. Um, But if we can come to terms with the fact that it's okay that our lives aren't perfect and nobody's judging us for it, and because we know that their lives aren't perfect and nobody's judging them for it, but we can just connect in a real authentic way, I think that healing begins with that honest, vulnerable, just lay it out there and just, okay, this is the reality. Now, how how can I learn from it and how can I grow? How can I move down the path? And and uh, most people uh, do that naturally. Most people do it, but we do it uh, isolated around the trauma. We Don't let people in. We don't want to bring others down. We don't want to make our problems their problems. We don't think people will care. People have abandoned us in the past, so they're going to abandon us again. That trauma usually is a journey we take alone. And once we come to the idea that our trauma is real, is probably as real as yours or anybody else's then we can be safe to talk about it. And that's where we heal from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and ideally everybody's got at least someone that, uh, you know, cares about them. I think everybody's usually got one or two or, or more people. And I'm reminded of a really good friend of mine, a very strong guy. He's uh, what was. Is, what is he, he's into like tactical Stuff. So he's just like, you know, everything about he's like basically Rambo (laughs) is the best way I can describe him. You know, uh, you know, and he's he just knows all the stuff and and is very strong. And um, you know, recently went through uh, you know, a tough time. And I hadn't heard from him a bit, and I knew that he was going through a tough time and kind of just reached out and just let him know that I was there. Finally, after months, I get a hold of him and learn a little bit about what was going on. And uh, he goes, you know, like, and he's the kind of guy that if I need him and I'm 10 hours away or whatever, he'll, he'll show up. There's no, there's no question. One text, get a hold of him. He'll be there to help me with whatever I need. And uh, he goes, yeah, man. He's like, you know, I, I'm there for you if you need. And I know you're there for me if you need. And I go, yeah, buddy, but you know, you got to remember like when you need me, you got to ask, Yeah, you know, I can't, I can't do it for you. And I came up with an analogy in my mind after it. Cause he's, he's a tactical guy and I like martial arts and tactical stuff too i said well you know if you're like a navy seal or something and you're going into wherever and you're you're a team if one guy hurts his leg you got to make him better because it brings the whole team down you want that person at 100 percent. so you're not saying anything you know it's not helping anyone and we don't want you to be down there this is what we're for and also too i feel like i don't know where i heard this and i don't know if i can articulate it the same way that i remember, but it was kind of like this idea is that if you don't you know, ask for help where people are willing, then you're kind of dishonoring that person in a way that's that,
1: absolutely the you truth. know,
0: that they, they want to help that they want to be able right. to feel useful tool, right? It's like, I've learned this so I could be useful at this time. Right, you know, I want, I, I do want to be there for you. Like that's something. So you're kind of taking that away. And again, it was articulated much better. Maybe you can kind of speak on that if you kind of know what I'm
1: talking about. Oh no, it's it's a great lesson. I mean, a lot of you bring up a lot of great points, but certainly that last one is a very, very important one. And one that I'm still learning and have recently really come to come to terms with, you know, I love hosting, right. And I have lots of people around and I'm always taking care of everything and people offer to help. And I'm like, no, and I got it. And it's all good. I want you to relax and enjoy it, whatever. And my wife pulls me aside and she's like, dude, you know, you're ruining people's experience. Right. And I go, what? And she goes, yeah, you can take care of them, but they want to be a part of it, man. They want to be a part of it. They want to help. They want to feel like it's their experience too. And you're, you're depriving them of that. And I'm like, Oh shit, I think you're right. And so um the the problem becomes that if we are not safe to be our true authentic selves because either we we don't feel safe or we we got you know crap in our own head that's preventing us from connecting with people on a safe level then, then we just don't get to get to connect at that deep level and And for you to say that about your friend and for your friend to say that about you, there's this kind of thing where you go, okay, we're safe to say if I ever need you that bad, you'll be there. That's a very vulnerable thing to say, right? Because really, really, I'm going to be at a point where I need you to drive 10 hours to come save me on. Oh, yeah, I might actually need to call on you, but at least I know that you're there. Like I might not ever need to, but man, that's a very vulnerable space. So I, I think the key to all of this comes in, stop putting on fronts, stop making up for bullshit, just be your true, authentic, real self. And sometimes that means you're going to be the strongest person in the room. And sometimes that means you're going to be the person that needs the most attention in the room. It just, it just is what it is. And, and both are strength, both are weakness, if not dealt authentically.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. Authenticity is absolutely key. And what we're touching on here when you're asking for help, it's not, you know, um, you know, getting everyone to do it for you or kind of what we see a lot in our society today is like this, um, you know, know, like the young kids don't want to work as hard, right? It's like you got to you got to grow yourself up. You, You can't have everybody do it for you. You know what I mean? You have to take responsibility for yourself, just move in an authentic way. And when you have that strength, you can also have that vulnerability at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to do everything that I can. And this will help like one small thing is we're moving our house. And, um, you know, I redid my basement, right? And I had so I was like, "Hmm, Is this possible? Well, my neighbor's very handy. And I would have needed a couple friends to help. So I just called and said, Hey, is this possible for you to come over for a couple hours. So we had four people come over in two hours, ripped out the whole basement, and started laying a whole new one without their help you know, so I'm willing to do the work, you know, and, and be there and show up and, you know, and do everything. I'm not just say, just do this for me, you know, no, no, I'm engaged and I'm responsible in every way that I can, but I I require their assistance to make this bigger thing happen. And it's like, the idea too, is like, you know, it's never just a one person that does it even, even in solo sports, like the ultimate fighting champion, where the best fighter in the, in the world or triathlon, where you're just the only athlete, you have a team. Almost always you have a team of people that support you uh, in that journey that makes that expression of it, um, you know, the ultimate is like, no, no, it wasn't me. It's all of these other things that factored into my success. So seeing it that way, uh, I think is useful. And it's also the idea to respect your entire team, right? Like you respect everyone in your life with a good, high quality relationship and what they bring because they they improve your life and ideally you can improve theirs as well. So having that perspective, I feel like is very important
1: it is it's but it's hard though it's it's hard for people it's hard for men especially because you don't want to show weakness you don't want to not be the guy solving the problem you don't want to be the guy known as the guy that can't handle the burden um but um but yeah it's tough i mean yeah you see any high performer and the first thing they're out there doing is thanking their team you know and and saying we did this and we did that even you know if it's just them that's doing the actual work. It's it's all the people behind them, but it's really hard. And especially when it comes to emotional issues, it's really, really tough. It's, it's, it's hard to show that vulnerability. It's hard to not judge ourselves um, or assume that we're being judged by others. And so that's where the difficulty comes in, is it's very, it's very hard to have these conversations, to bond with people in an authentic way because there's so many limiters to it. And I can't tell you, Matt, how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people i've spoken to who have said something like oh my god i'm super close to my dad but you know what when he was dying of cancer it's just like i didn't even bother to ask him how he felt about like the fact that he was going to die like i mean i i I helped him through things i took him to the doctor we did all this stuff and you know i mean we had some meaningful discussions but yeah i never really went there about like the really hard emotional stuff because man, I didn't want to bring him down, or I didn't know how to start the conversation, or whatever. And it's, and it's very understandable, right? How many times does somebody tell you something that's just like, Oh, I can't believe you're having to deal with that. And your answer is like, Oh, I'm sorry, man. And then you want to leave as quickly as possible, because you don't know what the hell to say. Like, what could you say? Right? And but sorry, is not the right thing. And, and and, oh, it's gonna all work out better might not be who knows what the right thing is, but we don't want to say the wrong thing. So oftentimes we don't say anything at all. And then that's where the loss of connection comes comes from.
0: Yeah, well, that's, a that's again, a very powerful insight because that's the last thing you want to do, right? You, you don't want to leave something so emotional and big like on the table. And if you just show up, right, don't worry about saying the wrong thing. Just be there, you know what I mean? And the best way, just being present. Uh, and listening is all you really have to do and, and in these cases you don't have to solve the issue or make it better I think that's a, a, something that people believe they need to make it better or make it easier where really they just want you to be there you know I think that's a lot of it you know just
1: to be there right or we have to allow people to be there as well right yeah. one, one of the one of the um, uh, book participants is a, is a woman who's who's a oncologist' She's been an oncologist for 40 years. Um, At NYU, dealing with male and female breast cancer and the things that she has gone through. Absolutely amazing. And when I started the conversation with her, I said, hey, hey, Doc, um, we need to go to areas that you might not have talked to other people about. And she goes, yeah, that's fine. And I said, no, I mean, like, even talk to, you know, your friends about you know, these, these personal issues. She goes, yeah, I don't really talk about these you know, kind of emotional things with my friends because when we get together, we go hike or we hit the art museum or something and I go, okay, fair enough. But also we can't talk like we got to talk about things you don't talk to your peers about, right? The emotional things that I'm sure you all I'll talk about. She goes, what? She goes, I'm a woman doctor. You think I talk about emotions at work? Are you kidding me? That's just no way. And I go, okay, well, can we go places that you haven't gone to with your husband? And she's like, yeah, my husband and I, and we, we really don't talk about the emotional things about our work. And and she was dealing with a very, very important issue on an emotional level. And she hadn't talked to anybody. And I said, well, can we talk about that? And she said, sure, because I never have. And the emotional issue she was talking about, Matt, we could all relate to is here is this woman when she started out as an oncologist several decades before, all she was trying to figure out how to do was be successful in a world dominated by men. Right like I just want to get more patients, I want to solve more more problems I wanted to cure more people, I want to do what I can and she didn't really care. about the patients as much as she cared about being successful as an oncologist right now 40 years later she's lived this beautiful meaningful fulfilling life and now she has such a desperate. Uh, drive to get her patients to listen to her because she knows that if she treats them in the best possible fashion, they'll have a greater chance for a healthier, longer life. And now she's armed with the knowledge of what that means to have a long life and deep relationships and a great career and this beautiful perspective on what life can give to you. And when people don't want to take her advice, or or don't take the treatment options that she suggests, she knows that that might be a danger. And so she's like, like, like emotionally driven to say, please, you know, she takes people and shakes them. You gotta listen to me. I'm trying to tell you, I'm gonna make your life better. I'm gonna make you live longer, right? So she's desperate to do that where 40 years ago, that wasn't even a thought that entered her brain. And I wanted to understand that so that we could learn how to be better patients for our doctors, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a, again, another really powerful insight. And when you, cause it, there's a lot here, but yeah, the emotional side of things, right. To really share and have vulnerability wherever you are on the side of the fence, where if you're the person who could use some help, or you're the one who's communicating with somebody who's going through some trauma, just having authenticity and vulnerability, I think are the key points. And I'm just curious, like with all of these stories, and and everything you learn, like, are there a few things that were your biggest takeaways from you know in engaging in this project?
1: Yeah, for sure, Matt. I would say that one is um, that everybody believes that uh, their story is not that interesting, and everybody's story was very very interesting. Now, some some we we weren't able to get super deep with, and and that went off to the wayside because I couldn't ask the right questions, or they couldn't hear the the questions at the right time. But everybody's story was terribly interesting. That that was, that was very cool. Um, I think the second thing is it was shocking how isolating trauma is and how many people get abandoned during their most important time of need, or also how many people self isolate, right? How many people push others away because of whatever reason, right? They don't wanna bring them down. They don't wanna burden them. They think people won't care or whatever, but trauma is often a very lonely place because um, people do get abandoned oftentimes because we don't know how to deal with them. So we just don't make the call, right? And and, and that's a very, very common thing. So um, uh, uh, the other thing I would say is that uh, it's shocking to me how much is behind that statement we said earlier about not knowing what people are going through, what they have gone through. Um, it's shocking the assumptions we make about where somebody's at. Like this this doctor that I was just talking about Right. What a beautiful career or whatever. But but also that was wrapped around in her childhood Um, um, at when she was 12 years old, her dad decided one day never to come home and never to be heard from again. Nothing led up to it that she could know or be aware of. And one day he was there. The next day he was gone forever and ever and ever never to be heard from again. Right. And imagine what that is for a woman, a young girl going through life and trying to find their way and and not and having no answer to such a big question. And she's carried that around her whole life. And you look at her and you go successful doctor, beautiful marriage, beautiful daughter, great practice. You know, she's 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 a legend, like all this wonderful stuff. And you go, man, she's lived a charmed life. Mm, Yeah, she has in some ways. But in other ways, we have no idea what she's going through every day of her life she wonders why the hell did my dad not tell me he was leaving and where the you know has he been my whole life right like, we're all dealing with stuff and i think that 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 compassion that that empathy that understanding that um yeah being human is freaking hard man and everybody's dealing with crap so uh, ours is not more important it's not less important it's just ours not theirs and theirs is not more important or less important it's just theirs not ours um how can we connect on a deep level to help each other out that I mean, that's basically everything I learned.
0: That's, that's beautiful. I'm also reminded of this uh, analogy where if you're sitting around a fireplace and everybody uh, throws their problems in the middle of the fire or whatever, or in the middle of the circle, and you can choose somebody else's or you can choose your own and Um, The idea is that you're going to choose your own, you know, nine times out of 10. And we don't know what people are going through. And compassion Mm -hmm. is incredibly important. Um, That's why it's, it's more important to lead with compassion, because you don't know what's behind that. And there's that idea that hurt people hurt people, right? There's, you know, there's nobody who's Uh, happy and fulfilled and doing okay is going around, you know, hurting people, it's usually Mm -hmm. there's something missing, or there's something going on there. So, you know, if you can treat with compassion, doesn't mean you get run over, for sure. um, You know, but you know, just treat things with compassion as much as you can. Um, You know, when when people read this book, what are you hoping that they take away from it?
1: So the good thing about reading is they can read it uh, the old-fashioned way or, or uh, uh, listen to it on Audible, right? So, so that's the great thing. So depending on how you are, um, what they're going to take from it is that each story is self-contained. So it's not a big, long, 400-page narrative, like where did I leave off or whatever, but each story is contained. And so there's there's some value in being able to kind of wrap up the thoughts of each story before you move on to something else. But I think what people will take from it is... It's not preachy. It's not prescriptive. I give. I don't give answers. All I do is shine a light on the human experience um, from as many different perspectives as possible. And I think what what the feedback I've gotten from doctors, nurses, you know, patients, loved ones, caregivers, your average ordinary person who just likes to read books, the feedback that I've gotten is that it's given them some insight into how to better. Uh, approach people that are going through something difficult, or how to allow others in where we might not have before, and so it 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 is a teaching book in that it's like I can identify like oh I get you like I see you in a different way, and who doesn't take something from that right when you when you're doing a lot of men's work or a lot of a lot of one-on-one coaching and you get through to someone it's it's like I see you like I like like you get you get each other that you can take something from that and it kind of sticks with you forever and some of the stories in this book I think anybody will find that there are things we can take because we're seeing people in their deepest rawest most human form um, and it allows us to go oh yeah okay I I get that like I, I get it and then it sticks with you and you can bring it to your to your own life and to your own relationships and so that's that's what I think people get out of it.
0: Well, that's amazing, and and I I totally agree. I feel like inspiring stories, we learn so much from them. You know what I mean? And we learn what we are capable, and we see, uh, you know, even in in uh, in sports, you would see somebody do something incredible, and you say, you know what, maybe I can't do that, but I could do a portion of that. And I think mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it's like the same idea. You know, if you're dealing with something tough, and you just have that reminder of that story that you heard, you're like, you know what. You know, if I heard that there, there's a there's a path for me to get through this There's a path for me to not only heal from this, uh, but to then, you know, move to that next step where I'm fully empowered. And I'm, you know, kind of showing the way for other people, because that's what's on the other side of trauma is full and complete living, you know, a full, authentic, powerful living. So this has been uh, really beautiful. And I am excited to hear more about these stories in your book. Is there anything that you wish that I'd asked or that you want to leave the listeners with before we uh, close the show?
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh no, I mean listen, I could talk to you all day man. I mean honestly, we we really could. Um I could learn a lot from you and, and I would love I love talking about this stuff. So now I I think we covered it. You know, I think uh what what's important is it's rare that you could say the wrong thing if you're coming from the that place of listening, that that place of caring, that place of being human, that place of understanding that you're not there to fix it you're not there to judge it you're not there to compare it but you just want to be there um that that's a that's a powerful thing and it's what what we want and it's what other people want and it's okay to 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 not always get the questions right or the answers right um just just be there in, in a way that allows the questions to be asked and the answers to be answered right and so Again, I don't like to be preachy about stuff, but I I definitely learned that just taking a deep breath and being as present as possible as often as possible um, has um, allowed me to have the most impact in other people's lives and certainly has allowed them to have the most impact in mine.
0: Beautiful. Uh, Yeah, I totally agree. And I I love the intention of this book, you know, hopefully people will read it and be, you know, learn how to be there for others, and then also learn um, to open the door when they need help themselves and and all the other beautiful nuances in between that these stories will, will share and teach. So uh, thank you for writing the book and your work and everything that you do, because you're constantly doing something to support and to contribute in some sort of capacity. Um, If people want to find the book or more about Mm -hmm. you, where should they go?
1: Uh, they go to my website, uh, cycleoflives.org Uh books are wherever books are sold, Amazon, Audible, Barnes and Noble, local bookstore, whatever. The books are there. Um, electronic, audible, or your old-fashioned, you know, book. Um, so that's pretty cool. And on, on the website, you can see the charities that we support. And then also uh, learn about it. I do expressive writing workshops, which are just phenomenal. Um and um uh, yeah, they can learn about all the stuff that's going on. And, and if you're interested in this area, it's, uh, I I find it fascinating. So if, if you find it fascinating, let's just connect and see how we can help each other.
0: Amazing. And so you say your website, David Richmond, is that what it is? Yeah. It's
1: cycleoflives.org. Okay. Uh, or you can just look me up, David Richman and cycle of lives, and it'll take you, it'll take you there
0: awesome well thank you so much for coming on and like i said for writing your book and the work you're doing and constantly putting out the intent you know and walking you know walking the talk it's important and appreciated so thanks so much for your work
1: oh you're welcome you too and geez if you ever you know have time to work with a non-athlete athlete athlete, man i I could learn a thing or two from you because i know you deal with a lot of high performers
0: yeah man sounds good well we'll stay in touch
1: perfect thanks matt
0: okay take care see you guys there you have it ladies and gentlemen that wraps up this phenomenal episode with david Richmond. i hope that you enjoyed it and if you did please share it far and wide consider becoming a member at matt uh, thank you for listening from the bottom of my heart and supporting this show i appreciate you very very much and wish you your family and your friends and everyone you love all of the best as i've said at the beginning i'm in a little bit of a life transition moving my entire family uh, out west so uh patience for, I I asked for patience for putting out more episodes. That's why I haven't done as many as normal. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate you uh, very much. And uh, let's just come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with joy, peace, love, courage, contentment, faith, power, curiosity, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.